Hi, this is Heidi McDonald uh, with PW Comics World. More to come. Our podcast in the world of comics and graphic novels. And I'm still at Comic-Con. Maybe I'll be at Comic-Con for the rest of my life. I'm not quite sure. But I've uh, run into uh, Jen Stoller of Geek Girl Con, uh, held in Seattle, Washington. And, uh, Jen, there have been two or three Geek Girl Cons? This will be our fourth oh, this wow. October. Okay, so, yeah, now it's a, a tradition. It isn't, well, it's, <laughs> it's a necessity. Yeah, 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 yeah. So tell me about the first Geek Girl Con and why you started it and how it went and what happened. So it, start, it evolved out of the Geek Girls Exist panel that was here at Comic-Con in San Diego in 2010. Now, i got to just interrupt you right there. Yeah. Like, for any of our listeners that believe that only four years ago we had to have a panel to prove that Geek Girls Exist. So, anyway, continue. Well, and that year, was, it was kind of amazing. It was... It was unprecedented. Out of the hundreds of panels at Comic-Con, there were six panels that were female-focused or had all women on them. And I'm sure you know, having been in the industry yeah. for so long, that you see a panel of guys and Heidi McDonald. You see a panel of guys yeah. and Gail Simone. Right. Maybe he's have Marjorie Lou there. I mean, it's, so this was unprecedented, and it was a, a late-afternoon panel. It was up against Scott Pilgrim, which was the thing right, this year. Right. But the room was packed, so packed that the fire marshal had to close the door. I mean, this panel has become legend. And afterwards, somebody said, hey, why, when are we going to have one of these for us? Mm-hmm. And um, as you were talking about in the panel that you were just on, social media has brought women together in really amazing ways that speak to social justice issues, to raise visibility, to crowdfund. And 20 people met in a cafe in August of 2010. Now we have a staff, all volunteer staff, of about 40 people. And last year at our third con, we had, including volunteers, staff which are volunteers, um, exhibitors and attendees, almost 5,500 people. Wow. So geek girls exist. That's... And people who want to have, like, have a space that um, addresses things from a more nuanced um, perspective. Uh, the conversations are uh, more complicated than they might be perhaps here. And that celebrates a DIY aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of our vendors are not like the giant exhibitors. They sure. are, well, they're not. <laughs> right. They are people who craft on Etsy, mm-hmm. um, so, local artists. So yeah. it's the maker community it's in a way? It's the maker community, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And it gives them a space, again, to be visible. Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it kind of like, so, I mean, it sounds like a lot of different things, actually. I mean, it sounds like, like you say, with the, the maker community is really cool, and you know, dealing with issues, but but also just a good time to get together. I mean, you know, not to to, to um, stereotype anyone, but do you sit around and talk about Doctor Who? I mean, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and I mean, I think one of the greatest things about Geek Girl Con, and in a sea of great things, is that we have a no geek cred policy, and so, something that I want to talk to you about further is what you were talking about. That the culture is more participatory now. Um, I might love Doctor Who, but I might not know anything about um, a a particular video game that somebody's a fan with. And so instead of coming in and judging each other for, wait, you don't know about that or you've never watched Star Trek, we're all coming to the same place because we want to talk about issues in our community. We also want to celebrate with joy. Um, We want to come together and have 
female friends that maybe necessarily weren't in our lives before because we didn't right. really know where they were or how to get together. Um, so yeah, so it is a, it is a lot of joy and fun, and we have year-round activities as well. Um, we do we haven't done them this year, but we've done TV dinners at our local. Um, movie theater called Central Cinema and they have pizza and beer and so we'll all get together and watch the best Lisa Simpson episodes of The Simpsons, right? Or do so a screening awesome. of Barbarella or a screening of Supergirl which is terrible but so much fun when you're watching it with a whole bunch of other geek girls, right? Right, right, right. So yeah. it is, it's very important but it's celebratory. And wow, that's so great. Um, what do you What do you think? I mean, have you? Uh, you know, there was the whole fake geek girl thing. Yeah. I mean, what? But but I mean, it is uh, like like when you just said you had that panel four years ago. I mean, am I really like like that's mind boggling to me because it, what what do you think just happened so quickly? Well, you know, I don't know. I mean, Kristen Riley put that together. Um, it took about a year and a half for the first geek girl con to happen, and in that time, at San Diego Comic Con, which is like kind of the big culture amplification um, at that con there was a Batgirl San Diego right where she went up to all oh, uh, the yes, DC yes, panels yes, and said where are the that. women and she was not combative at all No, that's and right. she got booed and she got hissed um, we actually ended up having her come as a guest two years in a row to interview Gail Simone at Geek Girl Con right um, the other thing that happened was the OU Sexy Geek panel, which was kind of a huge controversial oh, experience. Yeah. I was actually on that panel, um, and we could go on and on and on about that. But there was this, then there was womanthology, and so there was this whole sea of, it was kind of like right. a snowball, right? There was right. one visible thing, and then people started connecting online, and, you know, I mean, I've been reading your work for years. I read it when I was working on my book, <laughs> and when there was, like, Girl Wonder and Sequential yeah. Tart, right? Sure, sure. And yeah. that's that's it. And now, I mean, I know, I know, but I mean, it is. It's just mind-boggling to me how how so many women have found this voice. You know, and I mean, like, it's funny you mentioned Sequential, sequential Tart and Girl Wonder because uh, there used to be Fangirl Rampage. Remember that? Mm. Which was this blog that was just links about gender and uh, and the two two ladies who did it. Uh, you know, they were awesome, but they kind of had. Uh, you know, they got the same abuse, the same kind of shit yeah. that, that, you know, we get all the time. And now, I mean, you couldn't even do that. I mean, you couldn't even begin to do one link blog to all the issues, mm. you know, unless you were... Well, there's specific. there's a geek feminism wiki. There's oh, geekfeminism.org. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, They yeah. do a pretty good job. Yeah, but. really. Well, I'm going to have to check that out. But, I mean, just the, the growth of it. And, I mean, I, but I've been very encouraging always to get more women writing and and uh, you know I mean it still seems very segregated to me it seems like there's kind of this this you know amazing you know Tumblr world and, and blogging world and and then there's kind of what's considered the mainstream comics and I feel like there's still a lot of resistance to getting you know women into there but I think sometimes women don't want to don't want to step into that arena because I think it's it's you know there is the abuse there is the combativeness I guess or you know I, I don't know I mean am I, am I well, ram- no, I'm rambling no so. I mean I feel like I, I feel like what's happened is they're creating alternative spaces they're looking yeah. for a different way and then they're able to tell more authentic stories as well um, and what's really interesting to me is you know, I gave a presentation recently where I was talking about um I was quoting Mal from Serenity and saying, you know, we aim to misbehave. And I said, we aim to misbehave because we dare to share our knowledge and skills with each other, right? Um, Instead of privileging competition over collaboration, um, in, in privileging collaboration, we are working to make sure that we 
we all have the skills to get where we need to right. go, if, even if we can't get up in those other ladders to DC or right. Marvel or whatever, let's teach each other how to do this and create our own spaces. Right, right. How do you think, though, I mean, to me, it, it is, you know, there needs to be parity everywhere. You know, my, yeah. my, my, uh, my saying was always uh, a panel, a woman on every panel, not a panel for every woman. Yeah. And if you look back at old Comic-Cons, they, you'll see there was a woman's panel every year, yeah, yeah, and they yeah, would yeah. take every woman, and they would put all the women on the mm-hmm. panel. Yeah. And, and then you look at these panels, and it's like, oh, my God, look at these amazing creators who are on this panel. Yeah. Like, didn't they have a voice elsewhere? And, you know, sometimes they did, but it's, you'd be surprised. And um, so, I mean, how? I mean, how do we? How do, you know, how do we storm Marvel and DC? But no, I have no idea. I mean, so <laughs> this is something I've been thinking about. Do we? How do we change culture? Do we do it in mainstream spaces, or do we do, we do it in alternative spaces? Right. Do we invade packs, right, 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 and and challenge that dominant that dominant subculture, which is so weird to say, yeah. right? Or do we create our own a border house blog, right? Um, and I don't know the answer. I feel like we have to do it on all fronts. Right. Uh, right. What I love about one of the, <laughs> say what I love about Geek Girl Con is that we we have some of those more specialized panels. Like let's talk about race and representation in video gaming. But then we could have a panel where we talk about cosplay or nerdlesque or comic book writing. And my goal would be to see a diverse array of people on that panel and I feel like and I'm, I've noticed this with some of the other conventions um, locally that I think our programming has had a little bit of an effect on them because they see that there's an audience for it so I think it's I feel like it's very small steps over and over and over and over and over I mean well you know but I, I heard that that some of the uh, the women's panels here have been packed, you know. And, they have. And, yeah, and and um, like even I mean I'm not going to name any names, but I mean I've been at some underattended panels at this this show, and I mean I think maybe people need to realize that you know the more like bringing in this audience actually really is increasing your audience. Like when yeah, you team yeah. up, you're exposing everybody to the to the message, you know. Yeah. And so I I mean I would like to see more teaming up is what I want to see, and yeah. you know just people understanding that. That teaming up isn't the end of the world, <laughs> which sometimes I think is a difficult message to get across. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting. I mean, you have to look at what kind of um, what kind of women's panels have actually been here at Comic Con this year, and the majority of them have not been focused on industry. They've been focused on characters. Yeah. That's so true. strong female characters yeah, seems is, to be a theme this yeah. year. So there's still, is there still some sort, what's being, I mean, there are a lot of different factors. What's being pitched, right? What's being accepted? When is it being scheduled? So who has access to it? Um, I think about uh, race bending every year. They're scheduled on Sunday morning, right? right? So they get an audience of 30 people. Um, So what kind of visibility does that offer them? Um, what What kind of conversations are being had here? Is it because of who's pitching or... Um, is it because of what programming is getting, right, right. getting chosen? Right, I mean, right, I'd love right. to see a talk from. There was one talk today about women in the industry, and I, and I missed it. Or women, yeah, yeah, women below the line. It was again very. Yeah, it was early in the day again. So, yeah. yeah, but so, what are your goals for Geek Girl Con? What's what's the next? What's you know? Where do you want to see it go? I want to see it keep going. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's definitely an audience for it. There's definitely a need for it. Um, it's 
valuable and inspirational. People come out of GeekoCon every year elated, um, inspired, and they go out and they create things. We started with the idea of, you know what, the first GeekoCon will be a success if we make a difference in the life of one girl. Because making the difference in the life of one girl can make a difference in countless lives. Right. And we made a difference in the lives of so many women, including ourselves, in putting this thing together. But then you bring up the notion of unpaid labor and volunteer work right. and community organizing and yeah. social justice work. And it's exhausting. So, I mean, my hope is just to see it keep going. Right. Well, I'll give you one little piece of advice, <laughs> having been my own nonprofit and all that. You know, when you get a place to a point where you could step away and it keeps on chugging... That's a success. Well, and, but you might not ever get to that point also, yeah. you know? So, no, I moved into an advisory role this yeah, year because yeah, sometimes yeah. you have to shift the balance. And but, uh, you know, I think that these things always make a difference anyway. So, I mean, there's no question that Geek Girl Con has definitely, like, made its name felt and heard. And, you know, it's already it's already become a thing that happened and that will be talked about. Yeah, I mean, and that is amazing. It's we're, As of August, we will be celebrating our fourth anniversary as an organization and I think that's just it's been incredibly rewarding for me personally and it's just amazing to see that it is so Geek Girl Con is held in Seattle uh, the weekend of Uh, October 11th and 12th 2014 and you can still get tickets oh absolutely yeah yeah, you can (laughs) but we sold out last year yeah oh okay before doors open so alright girls guys uh, girls um, you know maybe think about getting your tickets to Geek Girl Con it sounds like a pretty awesome time so So, Jen thank you so much for taking the time to talk to Thank you so much. All right, happy Comic-Con. <laughs> Hi, this is Heidi McDonald of PW's More to Come podcast. I am live at Comic-Con with uh, Portland Polston and Autumn Gladding of Brave New World, uh, a very fine comic shop located in... Oh, just outside of L.A. Okay, so uh, Portland, you have had the store for how long? About 14 years. Oh, okay, so you've seen a lot of changes. <laughs> Now, now, Autumn, you are uh, the, recently you came on board at the store, right? Yes, as I a came partner. In, yes, I came in to help with marketing and events and just special activities that are going on at the shop. Yeah. So, what attracted you to want to work at the store? You know, it's a different kind of shop, but I really like it. It's a comfortable place to be. I actually started coming to the shop just to be there and just started noticing what was happening there and wanted to be a part of it. And I could see a lot of. She said women coming into the shop, and I saw a lot of potential for things that we could be doing there. Right, right. Very well, interesting. We were at a panel early this morning that was talking about the state of the industry, and there was a lot of discussion about events. Like, for instance, Wednesday was Batman Day, and tomorrow's Doctor Who Day. It is. So these are kind of Diamond-sponsored events, which you can partake in? Or, or... publisher-sponsored events that okay. Diamond, I think, helps facilitate. Okay, gotcha. Ways, right, right, right. We don't focus so much on those kinds of events. We are known for doing, I think, thinking outside of the event. Spots, <laughs> original events. Yeah. Yeah. We certainly take advantage of the events that are brought to us. Absolutely. We yeah. did participate in Batman Day and it was successful at a good time. I think for a Southern California store, it's tricky to have Batman Day coincide with a huge event like right. Comic Con. Right. 
if, it, if you were perhaps had a store in the middle of Iowa where not a lot of your customers were going to be going to Comic-Con, it's a great opportunity for you to capitalize on the popularity and right. the interest level in that week. For us, it was a little tricky, but we did our best and we had a great time. Right. But we're actually moving our official Doctor Who Day to August. So right. So be there to participate in it. Well, it's, it's interesting because one of the things that they brought up actually was that conflict. And some people felt, though, that uh, having events, like you say, in Iowa, kind of, you know, I mean, Comic-Con is in the news now everywhere. It's and it brings, and yeah, yeah, and it brings the right. excitement. But um, do you find, though, that this kind of comics... Comic Con culture. I mean, is that like you know? Do you think the events at your store appeal to that, or, or? I don't know if the con culture so much affects the events that are at our store. Again, I think that we're in a unique position because a tremendous number of our customers and our employees and our clientele come to Comic Con. Mm-hmm. So I think that that, puts, that sets us apart in terms of having an opinion about how it affects us. Comic Con definitely affects us, but I don't know how the con atmosphere or the con thought processes in infect or inflict right no (laughs) are are involved in decision making I can tell you that Comic Con Wednesday the the Wednesday that the show actually opens is generally a huge sales day for us and this year it happened to go along with that mandate so that was a boon for Mm -hmm. us I hope it was for other people as well but I know that there were other issues regarding that event in particular and delivery of support materials and that kind of thing well, there was, uh, there was other talk uh, at the panel. I mean, another issue general, in general, it's just, you know, big box stores. Of course, there's only one big box, really, Barnes & Noble. I mean, there are some other chains and everything. But, I, I mean, it was really talking about now they're doing their own pop culture event. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's sort of like this... Uh, participation, this level of fandom is really spread everywhere. I th- which I think is amazing. I think it is great. Like, I've gone to, when they had the Harry Potter books released, they had those midnight releases. Right, I've been there too, girl. Those were fun, <laughs> and they were great, and I think when the more the big box stores will have something like that, the more it brings that idea of those types of events to the general public, and then they'll start looking at other places, like the events that we will have. You know, I think it's good point, for everybody. A point that a retailer this morning made was that a rising tide raises all ships, and I think right. that absolutely something that comic book stores, independent, you know, single owner comic book stores tend to get offended by the notion that Barnes & Noble or Walmart or even Target or at one point Borders, of course, was going to, were going to have events or carry comic books and graphic novels. And I think that that was a, a, sort of a foolish mindset. The idea that someone was going to go into a Borders or a Barnes & Noble or wherever else and want to buy a comic book will eventually drive them to you. And I think that if, you, if you're offering a great opportunity in your store to enjoy being there, right? So it's more than just, it's not your house, it's not your work, it's that third it's place, the third place, the third place is, the, is the thing that we, I think, need to strive to be. Right. And I think that in a lot of ways we have captured that for our customers, mm-hmm. so they are comfortable being there and they know that we're going to have silly events and we're going to have interesting events and we're going to have big giant events and we're going to have very small events and we have lots of different kinds of things. Events for everybody. And so at one point or another, we're putting everybody. What kind of, what, like, what have been some recent events that you had? We've had Geek Girls Night is huge. That's press. one of our absolute really? favorites. Geek Girls Night is the best. <laughs> yeah, they line up around the building for Geek Girls Night. It's so much fun. We've also done Geek Singles Night. Yeah, we are the originators of Geek Singles Night, along with Geek. Oh, now it's Geek Doubles Night. Yeah. Geek Lovers Night. Whatever. Well, has there been yeah. any uh, any uh, Yeah, you know what's so funny about that? We actually have a store within our store that we call our Geek Boutique that is, it's uh, products and end 
goods that are created, they're handmade, fan-made, almost like a live-action empty. And we have that inside our store, and it's across the hall from my office. And I was sitting there one day, and this couple went into the Geek Boutique, and they were shopping around, and I heard them commenting on various products that were in there. And he said to her, oh, you should, you should get your dad this, uh, this Star Wars bow tie. And she said, what? Why? He would never wear that. And he said, he could wear it to the wedding. And then it was a brief Aww. pause, and then she screamed, and I was like, wait, 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 wait. He just proposed to her in the gig boutique. So yes, we have had. <laughs> absolutely it's, happened. And interestingly, it's not the first proposal that we've had in the store. And we have a couple that have been together now for about 10 years, and they have two young kids, and they shop with us, and he proposed to her in, wow. the, in Brave New World. That's that was, great. It's great. So yes, we have had people definitely make romantic connections, but we have girls come to Geek Girls Night who don't know that there are other people in their community that like what they like. And we've seen friendships forged, and we've seen girls come in and just really be overwhelmed, almost to the point of tears, that someone is there that knows whatever it is, right. and wants to talk about it. And, and welcomes them. Yes. Right. And they feel like they belong there, and it's okay, and they can be there and talk about their fandoms, and not feel like an outsider, but they're not welcome. So what other, um, what are, have there been any other kind of like a, a changes or evolution of, of the customers for the store? I mean, the demographic one is of course a huge one. I think customers are much more sophisticated than they once were, and I think that that goes along with the technology that's available. People come in and ask me, when this, when am I going to have, you know, whatever it is, and they show me their iPhone, and I say, this hasn't even been solicited to me yet through <laughs> Diamond, who is my main distributor, obviously, but... They, they have information and they have ideas about what they want and they know when something's going to happen. They know when a creative change, a creative change happens on a book because of Twitter. Right. Where they've seen, you know, somebody did a uh, short Vine video and said that this was happening or these kind of things and they bring that to us. So they really, they do educate us. So I think that the consumer is just much more educated, much more savvy. Yeah. Now, how do you reach out, Autumn? I mean, how with social media? I mean, how does the store, you know, use that? You know, it's huge. I do... No, I do the Facebook and I do Twitter and we have Instagram and we have Vine, but I've also been reaching out through meetup.com, which is where there's local groups about anything. You can find meetups about people who want to go hiking or people who do anything. And by finding people who are fans of certain things and joining the meetup groups and letting them know about events that we're having that are free, that's been huge for our store because, if, but you have to be having events for that. Right. So right. I think having events that people in the area want to know about reaching out through Meetup has really been huge for us. Right, right. Huge. Now what um, what about you know what's big in the store now? I mean we all hear Saga, Walking Dead, you know I think that's the truth for us as well. But in addition to that for us we have so many cool things. It's not all about the individual comic on a weekly basis or a monthly basis. It's not about the newest trade necessarily. A lot of it for us is about the merchandise that we source. Autumn works with vendors and artists from about five different countries. We've got about 80 different people that she works with, specifically getting unique goods into the store so that it is a destination, not just for Christmas shopping or Father's Day, but on a regular basis. People are coming in to see what's new in the Geek Boutique. i got to go to this store, man, while I'm here. <laughs> we have new things every week. It's I know. Amazing. I want to. Yeah. You just sold me on it, Portland. Man, alive. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, as far as, um, like, do you sell graphic novels? Uh, is, is that, I mean, Absolutely. like, uh, is, do you know, like, what part of your business it is? I mean, is it a growing part? Is it a stable part? I or? think it is a stable part, but I think that, interestingly, the, the number of individual titles of graphic novels that I'm selling has di- distinctly decreased. Uh, now, if you look at your my Walking Dead numbers, and obviously I sell a tremendous number of Walking Dead trades, all retail. Do. We've sold, you know, 
ridiculous right. amounts of Saga, you know, one, two, and three, all retailers have. I haven't really sold a full run of Preacher lately. I don't sell a lot of Ultimate Spider-Man Volume right. 1 anymore. You know, so it has changed, definitely. And I, I don't feel like, I feel like the next question is going to be, how do you, do you, do you attribute that to digital? I absolutely do not. <laughs> you and I had a conversation yeah. a few years ago about digital and I maintain that it's absolutely a freight train bearing down on us, but it's a little tiny, you know, little yeah. freight train. But I, it, it, it's just been proven. I mean, you know, Milton Reap had those, uh, John Jacksonville had the numbers out. You know, the digital was this much, but sales were this much. And everything has grown. I mean, the you know, the boat is lifted. You know, there's no question. The boat is riding very, you know, much higher than it has in the past right now. So, um, I, you know, I think digital has been a sales tool. And, um, I mean, that's my opinion. But, I, I mean, I am curious. Like, every once in a while, I'll come across a graphic novel that, to me, you know, like, one that I always use is My Friend Dahmer. You know, okay, yep. and like like that book to me. I mean, and it sells quite a bit, and you know, like people pick it up for the first time. And I and I wonder how these kind of books, you know, they're by more mainstream publishers, I guess. I mean, do they have a life in a comic shop? Or? I, I wish they had more of a life in my comic yeah. shop. Sadly, for for us, because of my own personal reading interests, we have moved toward a more mainstream sort of capes and tights and zombies. Uh, uh, plan, unfortunately, we are stocking those things deeply, that evergreen product that we know without question right. is going to move, the stuff that is indie or unique or, or intriguing in that way is not necessarily going right. to find readership right. with us. Well, I mean, you know, different stores, different, different exactly, stores. Exactly, exactly. So, so, but, um, are things, so basically, you know, I've known Portland for quite a while. Why do I always say that in this podcast? I'm always, whenever I'm talking to anyone, I'm always like, and of course, you know, back when we were uh, in the big WW2 when we, together. Yeah, when we were, we smelled so Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, but, um, you know, we have talked over the years many times about the state of the industry and everything, and um, I mean, to my eye, the state of the industry looks good, but, you know, you guys, retailers, are on the front line, so I'd ask both you, Portland and Autumn, is the state of the industry good right now? I think it's going up and widening, for sure. I agree. I think we get a lot of people who come in for things like um, Doctor Who and the Whedon shows and Sherlock and things that aren't that weren't comic book things before, but now they are because they existed already as something else. And so we're getting new people reading comic books that weren't before. Right. Yeah, I will also freely admit to you that I have no idea what's going on in a lot of cases outside of my office because I spend my days ordering comics and planning events and engaging with customers via email and Twitter and those kinds of things. And so that it becomes rather insular. So events like this where I get to speak to other cut other retailers and Comics Pro, uh, the trade organization that's just for comic book retailers, when we get to have those kinds of meetings and engage with each other, it's kind of like coming out of the you know the cave and rubbing your eyes for the first time <laughs> right. in months and going, oh yeah, there are other people who are doing this too. Yeah. So for me, I don't spend a whole lot of time looking at what is going on with everybody else. I know what's selling. I spend, I spend my days with, with cycle sheets. Yeah. It's, not an, it's not a glamorous existence. Well, you know, you got to run your own business first and uh, it sounds like things are going pretty well when you're for your own business well, we have no complaints. well there you go that you heard it here first no <laughs> complaints that is the big headline well portland and autumn thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us Heidi, anytime at all thank you <laughs>